Hi folks, welcome to Please Rewind Plus. So, what is Please Rewind Plus? Well, I'll be inviting members from the group to participate in shorter episodes that are going to air in between the main episodes of the show that Jeremy and I do. Each episode, the intent of each episode anyways, will focus on a different topic, and that can be anything, and I mean like capital A anything movie related. It can be box office, it can be uh, themes, it can be anything from the chat rooms we've been doing, like the greatest hair in film history, it can be absolutely anything we want. So um, look out for a lot of fun topics, and if, if you have a topic you'd like to hear, and please, Ryan Plus, definitely throw it up on the message board. So for the first one, joining me today is a longtime friend, but someone who I haven't seen in fucking decades at this point. We were just talking about that. But she's a huge movie pop culture expert and someone who's like, even though we haven't seen each other, we're all like, it's just always sort of been each other's periphery, I think, in some way. Um, we have many, many mutual friends and uh, we both share a love for um, pop culture and film. So I'm really happy she's here with me today. Christy McDermott. Hi, Christy. Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Nice to uh, be part of this uh, experience. So, yeah, like I said, the idea is to sort of break away from the main episodes where Jeremy and I are going to, you know, we we watch or rewatch, um, you know, a couple of films chosen by you, the audience, and then we review those. But for these shorter ones, I thought it'd be nice to sort of like zero in on a couple of fun topics and themes and, you know, a few I listed there at the beginning, but it can be absolutely anything. And I thought... You know, for the first episode, we did Stand By Me for one of the two films directed by Rob Reiner. And doing a little prep for that episode, you know, you, of course, thank thank fucking God for Wikipedia, right? Um, <laughs> it brought up, you know, Mr. Reiner's career, his filmography. And like, he's, I mean, he's just been around forever, especially if you want to include his acting, which goes, you know, so far back. Absolutely. But, um, Which we'll talk about in a second. But like, he's one of those like, He's like a sneaky director in, in the sense that like, I mean, I knew all these films, of course, I've seen them all, but like when you see them compiled in a list, you're like, my God, what a fucking career. Like what? So when you think, so when I, when I say Rob Reiner, what's the first thing that jumps out to you? Well, for me, when it comes to Rob Reiner, like I automatically think Archie Bunker. Yeah. Because you go right back to the beginning. And I think for me, when I realized that Meathead from Archie Bunker <laughs> was this prolific producer of all these really popular films, like it, it was hard to kind of reconcile that because you see him in this, this show as an actor. You don't always think they're going to transition to be such a prolific um producer but then you look at who his father is right right and then then it kind of makes sense because he he he's obviously followed in the family tradition so to speak yeah he grew up in the industry right Absolutely. Uh, so his so his dad carl reiner famous comedian director going all the way back to i don't even know when 50s 60s 70s anyways Another another sort of director, if you look up their list, you're like, oh, my God, I've seen all of these movies. Um, he definitely Carl Reiner, if you his muse, I would say, for a time period was uh, Steve Martin. So um, just off the top of my head, I'm going to miss some, but like The Jerk, All of Me, uh, <laughs> I, God, well, I'm forgetting a bunch. But like, he, yeah, there's like he did. He did. I think like it's got to be it feels like half a dozen of films with, with Martin in a short period of time. So I, he was his definite muse. But he also did a couple of really fun things. Two movies that I don't, they're kind of fucking guilty pleasures for me. But he did Summer Rental, 
with John Candy. Yep. And summer school with uh, Harmon. Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon. Yeah. Um, I love those two movies. They're so fun. Uh, John Candy's the best, obviously, ever. Um, they're quintessential for a lot of different reasons. And you just look, they're, they're both just full of so many like names we know of now and people who were starting out at the time and stuff. But yeah, they're just, just really fun summer films. It's just so, so perfect that Carl did those. But yeah, so Rob grew up in this environment, right? Like film and TV and acting and writing and comedy and all these things. So yeah, he's, you know, all of a sudden lands this role in what was the most watched show in the U.S. for... I think it's entire run. I'm assuming I, 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 I don't think so, I, Yeah. And so he's meathead. That's his nickname. Yeah. So he's the uh, son-in-law to Archie and the, the antithesis of Archie, right? Like Archie yeah. is, a, is the bigoted, you know, crotchety old guy, you know, white dude who, I mean, they, He's sort of got the chewy center, though, right? I mean, like, absolutely. That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, no one watches a show about a Nazi, so he's 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 just he's like he's one of these like bigoted old fools who, um, you know, definitely has has to sort of update his philosophy with the time and place, and and so yeah, Meathead is the the the, the son-in-law who's he's the liberal, the Democrat, whatever at the time, and the hippie, and and he's the one who sort of like is is there to sort of balance the show out because we you couldn't just have a show of just somebody being a you know yelling at um hispanics and stuff the whole time so right um but yeah for a lot of people that is how we our first that was our first introduction to him um i remember my parents watching that show so i remember clearly um you know like seeing that show and seeing him and and yeah like who would have thought (laughs) right well and that's the thing is like i I think it was like when I realized that he he then turned into this like it was hard to reconcile because he just kind of seemed like this loser on TV, right? Like he wasn't like a super attractive guy, not your stereotypical, um, you know, actor. He was a little overweight. He was balding. You know, his teeth weren't fantastic, but. You know, his talent is so much bigger than his appearance. And, and like, you know, like so many people rely on their appearance in, in Hollywood, right? That's not something that he had to do. Like, he was legitimately talented and had something to offer. And which I, you, I think which we, you have to be, though, to break through. Um, right. Because if you're not like super hot and, and it's, it's much harder for women, obviously. Um, right. But it's even it's it's tricky for men. You have to be extremely gifted in in something if you're going to break through and uh, to be a leading man, let's say, or anything, and and not be conventionally like you said, handsome or whatever. Uh, like I was, you know. So the next the next show of of Please Rewind is going to be Labyrinth and uh, Big Trouble Little China, and. For a while there, it looked like it was going to be Roadhouse, but Big Trouble passed at the last second. So, you know, I was thinking about like, I'm, I'm, I'm just a big fucking Patrick Swayze fan, and mm-hmm. I, th- and like, because I had, because I had a crush on him. Like, I grew up, right. like to me, he was just checked all those boxes, and 
you know, I just, I just fall for him every single time. So it doesn't matter like how stupid the films are that he's in. Um, and Roadhouse is dumb, but uh, it's great at the same time. And you look at like, and I think the reason he hits so big, especially with like Dirty Dancing, which I, to me, I fucking love Dirty Dancing. I think it's a, like right. a, just a phenomenal film. It's also like a really powerful feminist film. Um, it really is. And it, 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 interestingly, um, you know, just with the Roe versus Wade being overturned and, you know, looking back to, you know, that kind of um, subject in that movie, it really says a lot about, you know, the dangers going forward. Yeah. Like it, like it what, like not just feminists, but just like social commentary of the time as well. Right. And, and the reality of these situations um, without these, you know, kind of, pro- well, and they're not, it shouldn't be progressive, but it shouldn't be anything. It should just be accepted, but yeah, it it's, no, be, you're it right. Is. Where women's women's autonomy is under attack still. Um, I mean, and even though everyone in the fucking planet knows if you want, like, if you want to fix like world poverty, you give women back the reproductive rights. Poverty will be, poverty will disappear. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, so you, you know, dirty dancing is, is great. It hits on all those levels and it's just like, it's the, it's just, it's a, it's a fucking perfect, just a kind of a perfect film. Um, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so there you have, you have, and I'm thinking at the time, I'm like, of course, Swayze won, won over, uh, the, the throngs of, of female viewership, because you look at what was considered sexy at the time. Right. And it's, and it's, you look at films that came out like in, in and around those four or five years where Swayze was really hitting it. It's like three men and a baby. So like what's <laughs> sexy? So what's sexy? Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, Tom Selleck. Um, you know, there was like Tom Cruise had a little bit of thing going for sure. He would have been, you know, considered probably a heartthrob at the time around Top Gun and stuff like that. But right. Um, but like, but they do, they're like, the, the, you look at those guys and you, yeah, you like you even giggled a bit, right? Like it's, well, yeah, because no, no, for sure. But like you think they about come that, across more goofy than sexy, right? Like, but they were, more... could they were considered sexy leading men at the time though? Right. Is, is what I'm saying. So now along come, here comes Swayze. And of, you're like, of course, right? Like sensitive ballet trained, great fucking hair. Um, right. do, doesn't have a fucking stupid mustache. Um, like you know treat, treats women treats, eyes, treats women with respect <laughs> like he's never you look at all of his films he's he's not once was he a womanizer not once was he a playboy not once did he ever treat women not uh, properly according to his right. morals not one you can go look find it yeah. if it's out there yeah. i haven't seen it then um whereas like you look at all those films like like i mean uh, just only because i just said it but you look at like three men and a baby what's it about three bachelors who will sleep with fucking as many women as they can right nobody knows who's who's the father right right like right there i mean of course so yeah so now bringing it back to your point about uh rob reiner not being conventionally you know so yeah, he had to be really good in all other aspects, right? So great actor, turned out to be a great writer, great director, all these things. So he starts off with acting and then, but he and, and he, he had some really great roles too. Like he was great in um, Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. Right? He, yes, he, he a little side bit, Tom Hanks is, I don't know, was he his boss or his coworker or whatever he was? Um couple of really funny, great and memorable moments with him, right? Like talking about his butt and yeah. um, 
you know, the, the advice, the shitty dating advice he's giving him. I'll, I'll always, I don't know why I always remember that scene where they're eating like they're breaking apart oysters or clams or something. Remember, they're at that diner and then he's, they're talking about dating and it's so funny to me. But um, but that's Nora Ephron, who's just the best. But uh, she wrote, she's just the greatest writer. But um, so he finally gets a direct, he, he catches the directing bug. And his first film is This is Spinal Tap in 1984, <laughs> right. which, he, which he wrote. He only wrote like two films of his whole directing stuff. And that was one of them. And it was his first one he wrote. So think about that. Right. So he, his very first film that he directs, he writes. He's also surrounded by incredible. Christopher Guest is an incredible writer, right? Like these guys are oh, writers. Yeah. They're writers themselves. Do you remember this is like, when was the first time you saw this is spinal tap? Oh gosh, I don't know. It, a it's while been, ago, it's, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a yeah. it's been a while. Like my 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 recollection of the movie is not fantastic. I will give you that right up front. But yeah, yeah like even just seeing the people that are in it and well, the style like just, it's it's that mockumentary thing because he's in it too, but, right? Where he puts himself right. in it, which is great. Um, and it's this whole it's like the. Like, uh, yeah, I'll just say it again, mockumentary, like the things we know that are common now, right? Like with The Office and bullshit like that. Right. Like this, like, the movie is about a movie, about making a movie. Right. right? They're right. making, yeah. Um, And it's so, I, I, I'm a big fan of that film. I think it's hilarious. I think it holds up still. Like I still laugh when I watch it. Um, But it felt at the time, I remember this, you know, I was young still. I was only, uh, fuck math, Um, (laughs) eight. I was eight years old. I remember watching it as a kid at some point and like laughing at all the right spots um, and really thinking this was like kind of cool and unique and fresh. Right. And I'm thinking... It, but but I'm a kid. I don't know anything about who directed what or who's who or anything like that, right? Like I just I just I remember thinking how fun and fresh it was at the time. And then you look at his. So then from there he just goes. I mean, then it's the sure thing, which is fantastic, which is underrated, by the way. John John Cusack, one of my favorites of all time. Wonderful, wonderful film. Please check it out. And then he does. And then look at this run he goes on. Then he does Stand by Me, The Princess Bride. When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and then A Few Good Men. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and just the 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 scope, right? Like can go from, you know, you couldn't by- you couldn't name five more different films. No, yeah. exactly. Like just, you know, you've got the rom-com, you know, you've got uh, horror. Horror. Political you know, drama. Yep. Uh, like, coming of age fantasy with princess bride yeah yeah and, and like there's just you know don't get me wrong like i see a lot of his stuff being more of that rom-com kind of well uh, we'll, we'll talk about this because he kind of that kind of takes over the later part of his career yeah 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 but that run i mean like talk about being part of the lexicon right like these aren't oh, just yeah. like these aren't just oh I like those films they were fun these are part of the fucking lexicon part of like the the English language like the Princess Bride Mike like come on do you uh, like people quote that film all the time 
when Harry met Sally, the diners, like the, the, the orgasm diner scene, scene. Oh yeah. It's obviously like gigantically famous. Um, and by the way, I love, you know what I'm such a fan of? I'm such a huge fan. I actually, I think I'm, I'm, I, you know, this is going to be a weird, this is, this might be a good topic for another show, but I'm such a huge fan of care of Carrie Fisher's work outside of star Wars. Right. Oh um, yeah. Um, even, so my thing all the time with Star Wars was, especially the original trilogy, was I think she was far and away the best actor in the trilogy, um, like far and away. Um, she's great in When I Met Sally. <laughs> she's so funny and she has such de- her delivery. She's great. Oh, I um, love when she like pulls out like the actual Rolodex in the middle of the restaurant yeah. to like find, uh, you know, one of the cards to give yeah. Sally. Oh, how about yeah. this person? And then, oh, no, they're married. And she like, yeah. ear, like, uh, like ear tips it so that she like, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> and I mean, it's 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 the obvious part, too. But like even the I want you to know, I will never fight over that wagon wheel coffee table or whatever. Like, it's just, it's, she's so great in it. And, and uh, she's really great in it. Anytime she shows up, like, it's always great. Misery. I mean, come on, like, like everyone, like everybody knows misery. Like, you know, again, like when they, people think of Stephen King, you know, adaptations, like they go to misery and just, you know, James Caan and, you know, Kathy Bates, like, like, Kathy well, she Bates she won. Did she not win the Academy Award? I can look it up, but I'm, I'm, pre- I'm fairly confident. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did, or at least was nominated. Like that's it. Like this this is an all time performance, and like the the block of wood between the ankles thing is is like that's that's a that's like an all time moment. Like if you see, oh, yeah, right. If you watch, there's a great series on um, Primo is always great at showing like like the 101 greatest horror moments of all time and stuff like that. Eli Roth has a great horror series to looking at just like the film history like that always shows up right oh, and, the, and, and and the crazy moments in history and she always shows up as um what's her character name um uh well, oh. fuck uh shit uh, I'll think of it but she always shows up like when you're doing like villains of all time and like like and same with like again with you know Harry met Sally that scene oh the dinner diner scene always shows up in the greatest you know like this is this is all time shit we're talking here right like this isn't like oh it, it performed well that year or you know I, I have a soft spot for that film like no these are like historically considered great great things and then he does a few good men like and talk about like he goes from misery to a few good men like that's weird and then again talk about your all like you can't handle the truth of course i'm sure shows up in every top five like everybody and people right. know that saying without even knowing where it comes from they just mm-hmm. know that it's a great saying well that's the thing with it's it's too with misery like you were talking about yeah. i bet if we were to pull just a you know whatever 500 people on the street i bet i wonder how many people would even know that's a stephen king book i bet that movie has right. like eclipsed stephen king Oh, probably. Right. Well, you, yeah. You could, you could, you could say that for you know. Only Stand now, listen, there topic. are other right That's because there were right? right now films have just a greater reach and all this. There are reasons why for sure, but like, you know, like when 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 these films, because you know he changed a bunch of stuff for Misery. He changed a bunch of stuff for Stand by Me. Um, but and this well, this is the thing too. So Stephen King fucking hated The Shining, the film. 
really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he hated it. And so, and that one of the reasons was they just changed too much, or at least they changed stuff that he felt was important or vital to the story. Um, now they changed a lot of stuff for Stand By Me as well, but Stand By Me was his is his favorite movie adaptation of his. Okay. Uh, from his books. So is it that they changed stuff or that they just didn't do a good enough job in his mind? Um, so you, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that like when the right material gets into the right hands, and even if they change a few, you know, a few of the key points, as long as it's done in benefit of the story without, right. without pandering to the audience or without treating the audience like morons, it's going to succeed. And I think that's one of the things that Rob Reiner's done so well when you look at all of his films up to a certain point. Right. Like he, he, he doesn't treat the audience like idiots, but at the same time, they're very like, these are very easy to understand straightforward stories. Like one of my, so in the first episode, I actually voted, you know, our rating system is to either rewind it or put it back on the shelf. And I put standby, I put standby me back on the shelf. Um, only because I've just seen it a lot. <laughs> like if I never see it again, I'm cool with that. But also, right. but also as great as it is, it's a really simple story, right? Like it's really easy to follow and understand. And oh, even, yeah, and even, yeah. And even something as like, like, like landmine filled as a few good men, it's really easy to follow. They actually tell you when you rewatch that film, they tell you all the time what's about to happen. Um, there's there's no like there's no surprises. The success of that film entirely rests on just these actors acting their asses off. Right. Because there's no like it's not a mystery. You know what I mean? No, um, yeah. Right. It, yeah. It's it's a core suspense yeah. to it, really. Like they even talk about um, you know, the big moment of him confronting Colonel Jess up there or whatever is the, or not Colonel. Is that his name? Whatever his name was, Jack Nicholson's character to get him to even say the line. You can't handle the truth. They talk about that in the scenes before, about how they got to try and get him to lose his temper. <laughs> so like they right. tell you what's going to happen and that, right. But it's just done so well. You don't even care. Um, so that's like the thing, all of his films up to a certain point, like misery, very easy, obviously easy to understand when Harry met Sally, like, yeah, not complicated, right? Very uncomplicated. So, what's this thing about him? Do you think where it's 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 this uncomplicated bit of storytelling, but it's done so well? Because I don't, I, I just feel like these film, like something like that, doesn't they wouldn't get a pass today. Like I feel like people, I feel like people either want it to be complicated. Like so, I just saw Oppenheimer the other day, and it's fucking wildly complicated. Like there is right. nothing simple about that film from, from in every aspect of filmmaking process. There's nothing simple about it from the soundtrack to the editing. Um, like the quadrants he uses, like, I don't want to get too nerdy with film and I can get nerdy on film if we want, but you know, lenses and all that stuff, but I try not to just cause I think people get tuned out by it, but it's wildly comp. The narrative is wildly complicated, but people seem to be enjoying it. Right. Well, I wonder, I wonder with Rob Reiner and his films and you know, okay, so and there, and sorry, really quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but the reason I bring that is the reason I even bring this question into into the ether is because we look at the second half of his career where he doesn't really switch things up that much, and people tuned out completely. I think the cast has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, 
look at some of the people in those films. Like, look at... Oh, no, know, yeah, for sure. The yeah. Billy Crystals, the Meg Ryans, uh, Tom Hanks, you know, we talked about Kathy Bates, James Caan, you know, Jack Nicholson, you know, these, these really predominant people for that time period, right? And I'm wondering, you know, he was able to draw in a certain, you know cast of of people who are excellent actors and so maybe the storyline didn't have to be as complicated sure. and you know and and those feel-good movies or you know something to just go and you know I don't I, I, I hate to say take up time you know like there's value to these movies like the, the entertainment value but I, I just, I find that maybe, you know, like looking at some of the later stuff, he's using maybe some of the same, same actors, but it just doesn't hit the same. Well, right? so yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, like he used, he like he used Nicholson a couple more times and stuff like that. Um, I, I, listen, there are a lot of reasons films don't turn out well. Uh, I remember this famous thing with Dustin Hoffman one time, and I think they were talking about, was it Ishtar? Or actually, it might have been uh, Outbreak, that weird Ebola movie that he did. Um, and he said, I never forget this. And this is, you know, this is, you know, I don't know, however long ago, decades ago. He said, he goes, sometimes things just look better on paper. Meaning you're given a screenplay or a script and it reads well, but the end result maybe, is it right like the end result doesn't maybe really he's talking yeah. about hook because hook was considered like a cinematic failure maybe i don't remember what it was but it obviously he's not talking about one of his more popular films he's talking right, about one of the of one, one of the ones that flopped right but i remember him saying that and i always remember that you know because it's true like and then again and then it depends who the director is it depends so if you look at you know all these things and and i think some of it has to do with so he didn't like i said he only wrote this is Spinal Tap, and then he did uh, like flipped. And so, out of all his movies he directed, he only wrote two of them. Um, so, script obviously has a huge part, a very important part. Obviously, I don't need to say that, but you know, it has to do with with what's happening. But ultimately, you know, the buck stops with the director. So, because so he he has that great run, and then so then he gets to ninety four, and he does North, right? Elijah Wood and a whole and a crazy cast of a huge cast of known people based on a book and it's considered one of the worst movies of all time right like right. i i i haven't looked it up in a while but i remember this very clearly and only because i go down these like i to me the the still the greatest of all time is is uh gene siskel and, and robert e, uh ebert are to me are the, still the best oh, you, go, yeah. you go you go look at ebert's review at, and siskel's two of north <laughs> like it's, it's fucking scathing like north is considered one of the worst films of all time so here's the guy he, he's coming off that run of films we just talked about and then he does north which gets which is again considered the worst of all time he then he does the american president with uh michael douglas which did well and and, and you know was critically well received yes but then it has then that's it for him like right and that so that we're talking 19 whatever 95 for american president 
And then the last film he directed was Shock and Awe in 2017. And there's one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like twelve or thirteen films in that time period, which right. all and I looked at I looked most of them up. All of them are like under thirty percent, like Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So, so he has this. The first half of his career is all time, like all time, and then just like totally fucking in the tank afterwards. Like, have you like I, this is the part where it's going to be weird for people. Like, and this and this is where it gets weird too because, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. Um, like all the movies that have been suggested so far for Please Rewind, I've seen every single one. So, like, I'm waiting for someone to suggest something I haven't seen. Um. But there's a lot of these films I have not seen. Yeah, when I when yeah. I was looking at like there's there is a number of his that I haven't seen, but like I've seen the vast majority of them. Yeah. But you know, like as we've been talking, like some of the, the you know the the newer ones, like in in the two thousands, I'm like I'm looking, I'm like, nope, didn't see that one. Nope, didn't see that one. Right. Despite them still having a good cast, so you look yeah. at some like the bucket list. Yeah, you know, you've got Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, but I didn't even know that that was a a movie, right? Like, right. I'm like, nah. I saw American President, but you know that was '95, or you know, rumor has it with Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, yeah, Aniston, and was that Kevin Costner? Costner, Shirley MacLaine, and who's the young guy? Oh, it's Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, the young, yeah. very young Mark. Ruffalo. So, I mean you know on paper a good cast right like yeah. you know not you know they're not winning too many awards but i mean Shirley mclean you know like a good that's a good cast that's a good solid cast and yeah. i actually i actually think um given the right material jennifer Aniston is is a great actor i mean look at cake she fucking killed it in cake um right. um so yeah and ruflo is a great actor um so yeah it's you're right so it's like you know why it's like people just tuned out. Now that could be a sign of the times. Maybe just people weren't into that stuff anymore. You know, because if you look at them, it's you look at the series of films, and none of none of them seem particularly challenging in any way, right? Like it's there's nothing. There's no there's no set of films where he goes from like Princess Bride to When Harry Met Sally, right? Right. I don't even see another fantasy on the list. Like like Princess Bride is a, is a blip. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. On like on that, his that's on definitely his, outside of in his career, else yeah, right. Like you can see elements of the other films in some of the other stuff, right? Maybe not Misery so much, but um, yeah, Princess Bride is a total blip. So it's like, so I think my question is, and it's sort of the thing like we'll we'll maybe get out of here on, but like, which one is the real Rob Reiner? Mm. The first half or the second half of his career, and also it's like. You know, it, it's a substantial amount of his resume, like the flops. Right. So it's like it's not one or two. Like Spielberg has a couple flops, but he's still you know ninety something percent of his films are still great. Right. Um, Altman, same thing. Like you look at Scorsese, you look at all the best, considered the best of all time, right? The um, Anderson, all these guys, the Coens, all these guys that are doing great work. You know, if you're around long enough, you just you're going to have one or two you know stinkers. That's just that's just the universe that's the way the universe works but half of his maybe even more than half is floppy so 
you know, where do we put Rob Reiner in the pantheon of great directors? Because when you have more misses than hits, even though the hits are fucking like, all, like we said, all time, great historically hit, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it, I started kind of looking at it and it's like, maybe it's because of who he's trying to sell to, right? You know, right. right. Uh, it's also, if you look, I mean, I, and I don't know this, I have no, nothing to back this up, but like, just looking at the years in play here, he, it starts really going downhill for him at like the dawn of the internet. Mm. And I don't know if there's a connection there. I mean, it might be something to look into, but like, really, I mean, Windows 94, right, is really where the tides shifted. And that's really where things started going downhill for him. So I don't I don't know if people just uh, films, you know, that changed the way films were made, that changed what audiences wanted to see, that changed um, what movies people were just going to see in general. Like, I, I'd have to go through each year and look at, like, the box office numbers for each year, right? Well, but, I think just the yeah. formula for movies has changed, too, and and who they're, they're directing movies towards. Because, like, you got to think, you know, looking at, you know, just time period alone, he was, you know, speaking to the boomers and 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 the Gen X, right? And yeah. you know, I look at like my mom's a boomer; she's not interested in movies. So, and you know, Gen X, like you know, our generation, you know, the ones that we found really, you know, um, poignant are not the same kind of style that he's trying to do in his later films. Like, I think he's still trying to direct towards that audience, but hasn't really changed up the formula as we've gotten older. Right. And, and I, I, I don't, and that's partially, I think probably because of society and how things have changed. I think so. And I think, and I think, you know, there's always going to be a few that, that are always going to be the exception to the rule. But I think what's what we're looking at here is it's it's a longevity thing. And if you're around long enough, most people are going to just fall off, right? Mm -hmm. Again, there's exceptions to the rule, right? Like Spielberg's and, and these guys that have been around for so long, but continue to make like, I mean, so you could make an argument that Spielberg has made some of his best films the last five or six years, right? Um, uh, so there are, there are always a few exceptions, of course, but like most people, people generally speaking if you're around long enough you just end up sort of like you know going downhill a bit but it's again it's the majority of his list is not great and so i'm just i'm left wondering you know like there's too many great ones for it to be a fluke i think right so right. i i think i'm left with more questions than answers with rob reiner is what yeah. is yeah ultimately like i'm i i just you know so the hits and I, and here's the thing about the failures they weren't spectacular meaning um they probably weren't uh hyped up that much to begin with you know what i mean it's not like it's not like it right it's not like avengers endgame flopped right like something that was you know i'm sure people weren't just like waiting with bated breath for and so it goes you know what i mean right, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like so the disappointment isn't as great so I think that's that helps ultimately historically when we look back at Rob Reiner and because the hits are so fucking huge historically 
ultimately i think it's it's i'm definitely for you know gonna lean towards uh a favorable thing with when i think of rob reiner rather than the misses for sure um and i think that's because i think his wins are so big that right yeah you know the losses are are, are understandable to a degree right yeah like yeah you know it it's, it's just it's puzzling like, because it, it's puzzling, right? Because again, the majority of his films didn't do well. Uh, and so it's like, you know, what happened? You know, what happened in 1994? <laughs> what happened to right. him? Yeah, yeah. Did he stop taking the advice from other people? Like, did good scripts just stop coming his way? You know, like, it'd be, it'd be I'd love, you know, if I was, you know, no, never possible, but if I was going to sit down with him, you know, I would, ask, that's, that's, I would ask him, I'd be like, something happened in the mid nineties. Like, tell us, tell me what happened. Something to you, whether it was personally or whatever, because clear, like it can't be denied because there isn't a single win after that. There is it, not one, not one. <laughs> so it's puzzling for sure, but absolutely. But I, I, you know, I, I stand by me, Spinal Tap, you know, Misery, If You Could Man, Prince, like Princess Bride alone. I mean, if that's the only movie he ever made, you know, he's always going to be in, in in my heart and in a lot of the hearts of a lot of other people for sure, too, well, right? So, well, yeah. it, it, it's funny when I was telling my friend about, you know, that we we're talking about Rob Reiner. First thing she said, Princess Bride. Yeah. And I think for yeah. most people, that would be yeah. their, their, you know, especially our generation, Princess Bride. Like, you know, that's something that everybody loves because it's so whimsical and um, it's so well done. It's just written really so well. well I mean, that the premise is great. I love I found myself thinking like, you know, f- getting, you know, preparing for episode two for Labyrinth. Like I, I find myself thinking I'm like, this needs a narrator, this film. Mm-hmm. Labyrinth needed like maybe not like a grandfather reading a story to uh, right to his sick grandchild grandson but it, i felt it needed uh an, a voice uh you know a third party uh in some ways um and but uh, and that's because of the princess bride and right. right and so that did it so well and also coming and then coming just off stand by me which of course the dreyfus narrate narration is so great you know that just that works so well doesn't it so i, I kept thinking like that's because of princess bride right so. And maybe, and maybe some of the success he was having in the '90s was because he was adapting these other stories. Like, yeah, North being the exception, but he was adapting these existing amazing stories. Right. He's, you know, yeah, putting his spin on it with you know very well thought out casts. I mean. And- yeah, I mean, misery. The source material is Stephen King, so you're you're in pretty right. good shape there. Um, a few good men was Aaron Sorkin, right? It was a stage play first, so I mean, you're you're in pretty like if that's your starting point, you know, right. it's almost like. But now it begs to. So now you can almost think about okay, well, you know, was he set up too well to where like anyone could have delivered a great film at that point with that cast and that script? Did it have to be Rob Reiner? And if it didn't have to be Rob Reiner, then then maybe the latter half of his career is the real Rob Reiner. When and he, and that's, that, that, you know, that's right? a good point. Maybe yeah. he just got really fucking lucky. Maybe anyone could have made a great Princess Bride or When Harry Met Sally, given the material he was given, the cast, the budget. You know, I, I'd have to go look at the release dates in the calendar. Like, maybe not a lot of competition. 
Um, so it makes, right? So, I mean, geez, we'll, we'll leave you with that thought. <laughs> dwell on that. <laughs> dwell on that. Rob Reiner, talented or lucky? <laughs> yeah. Well, there luck, you go. Well, and that, yeah. yeah. Luck always plays, of course, a part in everything. But, um, you know, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, you think about that. Like, you know, to your point, how do you screw up a few good men? With that right. script and that cast, like, I could I could have pulled that off. So. Or, or it begs the question, was he riding on his father's coattails? Well, to get maybe to get the jobs, but at that point, I mean, he's he's was you know had done a few enough to be established, anyways. Because right. there's two years between. I mean, you look at like uh, Misery's 1990, Few Good Men 92. Like you know, he had a couple years in between, so he was he wasn't like just taking it. He was clearly that tells me he either takes a really long time to make films or he was really choosy with what he was doing. Right. So, which is smart. Which is like not that doesn't you know that's not that's not a pejorative like he, you know to 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 his credit that's a great way to be because you don't want to water down your you know the filmography right so right, be exactly. choosy and then and if that script comes across your desk and they're like oh yeah and then here's here's who we're thinking to play these parts you're like oh my god holy fuck all right um so but yeah so there you go we'll leave it with that Rob Reiner talented or lucky I don't know we'll see but uh we'll leave it for people to discuss but um Christy this was so much fun thank you so much for being part of the first episode of please rewind plus thank you so much for having me